0: In the Old Testament, God's people dealt directly and primarily with God the Father. During the life of Jesus, God's people dealt directly and primarily with Jesus Christ, God the Son. During the church age, we deal directly and primarily with God the Holy Spirit. Now, every believer receives the Holy Spirit at salvation. Let me give you evidence of that. John chapter 20 in verse 22 and 23. This is Jesus in the upper room with the disciples. It says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Now, let me address the second verse first. You got what, what does that mean? That if you if you remit somebody's sins, they'll be remitted. Well, he said, Whosoever. So what Jesus was saying is, You've received the Holy Spirit. If you give somebody the gospel, and they repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ, and they're saved, they'll be saved. Okay, let me, let me rephrase what he's saying here. Either you're going to lead people to Christ, or they're not going to be led to Christ. Either you're going to tell them how to be forgiven of their sins, or they're not going to be forgiven of their sins. Everybody who's ever been saved has been saved through the influence of a Christian. So, you know, Pastor, I knew somebody one time that they just read the Bible for themselves. Okay, Who, who printed that Bible? Who made sure that Bible was in their hands? Somebody got the message to them. I know somebody just read a track and they got saved. Okay, somebody wrote that tract. Somebody had that tract printed. And somebody handed them that tract or put it somewhere where they could get it. Oh, well, he said, that sounds like sort of a, a disconnect to me, kind of distant. No, no. Jesus was saying, hey, listen, boys. He's saying you're, you're either going to get the gospel to them and they're going to receive the Holy Spirit too, or they're not going to get saved. The only person since this incident who got saved, unless there's somebody in the Bible I'm overlooking, the only person after this who got saved without the touch of another believer was Paul the Apostle on the road to Damascus. And he became, he wasn't the Apostle when he got saved, he became an Apostle because an Apostle was, number one, someone who physically saw the risen Savior, which Paul did in Damascus. And number two, someone who was personally directly called by Jesus Christ. And it says that in Acts chapter 1. So everyone else who's gotten saved since this day has gotten saved through the touch of another believer. That's why Jesus breathed on the disciples and everyone who's ever been saved since then got saved by someone who was influenced by someone, who was influenced by someone, who was influenced by someone, all the way back to that upper room. So just like God breathed on Adam and man became a living soul, it says God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Everyone who's ever breathed since then comes from Adam. And Jesus breathed on the disciples, and everyone who's ever had the Holy Spirit since then was influenced by somebody who was influenced by the disciples. But let me ask you another question. I already posed this question to my Sunday school class a week or two ago. If they receive the Holy Spirit here in the upper room, why then did Jesus Tell them to wait for the Holy Spirit. They already had him. I'm going to answer that question in a minute, but first I want to give you one more verse to confirm that every believer receives the Holy Spirit at salvation. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Every believer receives the Holy Spirit at salvation. Romans chapter 8. And this confirms that statement. Romans chapter 8, verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Paul said, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. Which means, if you're saved... You have the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus described the normal workings of the Holy Spirit. He's your teacher. He's your encourager. He's your intercessor. And a number of other things that the Holy Spirit does in your day-to-day life. He convicts you of sin. And the average believer is not nearly as familiar as he or she ought to be with the work of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And by the way, he ought to be so working so powerfully in your life every day that you have no doubt that he's there. That's the daily workings of the Holy Spirit. Now, back to the question a minute ago. If Jesus said to the disciples... Receive you the Holy Spirit, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then later he said, wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. They already had him. So what did they have to wait for? And the answer is, they had to wait until God gave in fullness the Holy Spirit to his church. What happened at the day of Pentecost is that, yes, they had already received the Holy Spirit, but now they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They didn't get more of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit got more of them. Those 10 days that they waited, it was 10 days from the time that Jesus ascended until the Holy Spirit descended. Ten days. Those were ten days of emptying out. Getting all the junk out of their minds and their hearts. How do I know that? Well, I know what was not in the upper room. There were no telephones in the upper room. There was no television in the upper room. There was no radio playing. There was no News coming in. There was no out, no newspapers. All the things that constantly, and we have no idea how much we are slaves to the constant information and sound and entertainment. It's constant. It's constant. It's crazy. I could take out, oh, I don't have my phone up here. I could turn on the Wi-Fi on my iPad right now. And I could start watching Andy Griffith right here at the pulpit. I could right now on my iPad, I could start watching a football game if I wanted to. It's right here with me all the time. I'm saying we are bombarded. With the world. And those 10 days in the upper room, you say, well, they didn't have all that. They didn't have all that, but they were bombarded by the world because Satan has always made sure that we are bombarded by the world. Those were days of emptying. Those were days of contemplation, meditation. I do not believe necessarily that those were Loud times. I'm sure there was some group praying, but I don't think it was all group praying. I think it was quietly waiting. I heard a preacher say recently: the preacher who has the power of God, or had the—he's in heaven now, but had the power of God on his ministry. He said, "I believe the highest form of worship is silence. Be still." And know that I'm God. God gives His Spirit in power. Can I say, He fills His people, He baptizes them. Now, there's where some would say, Oh, Pastor, be careful now. Be careful. Baptism happened at Pentecost, but it doesn't happen again. I disagree. I believe God's people, if we want to serve the Lord, need to be baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, day after day after day. God tells us to go, but before we go, we are to wait Now, not 10 days every time. I only only go soul winning every 10 days because I have to wait like they did. No, no, no. No, they waited 10 days the first time. After that, they waited every day and they went every day. Look at Luke 24. Luke 24 and verse number 49. Jesus said, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. He's talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. And if you do the timeline, he, you find out that the, the disciples have already received the Holy Spirit in the upper room. So there's something else coming. I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. Why? Because they didn't live here. These guys lived in Galilee, different regions. This is like being in New York City, and we just, you know, I don't know about you, when I go to the city, great place to visit, wouldn't want to stay here. Okay? So these guys are in New York City right now. They're in Jerusalem. And they're itching to get back home. You know, the traffic and the, the noises and everything. I just, you know, hey, let's let's go back home. Let's let's get on back home. But Jesus said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Until ye be endued with power from on high. Turn over to Acts chapter 1. And I know you know these verses, but I believe God's people need to see them. I believe this is what we are overlooking. We are taking for granted. We We are believing in the fullness of the Holy Ghost as if we already had it. I believe we're running on an empty tank, pretending we're running on a full tank. Acts eight, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria unto the uttermost part of the earth. So the Holy Spirit is coming. You're going to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And when you do, you'll be witnesses unto me. And he must have the disciples must have thought, Jesus, we believe you and everything, but I just don't see us going to the uttermost part of the earth. But they did. And the only reason they did, I imagine one disciple or two might have thought, we could do this if you'd stay and help us. But you think we're, I mean, you've spent three years just inside the nation of Israel, and we didn't even get to all of Israel. And now you're telling us that you're leaving, and we're going to go to the whole world? Yep. How? Because you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, ten days later, a feast called the Feast of Pentecost... People were in town from all over. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Where? That upper room. Same place where they had partaken of the Last Supper. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then they that gladly received his word. I'm sorry, I'm going to jump down to verse 41. Look at verse 41. This is the beginning of the day. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's the beginning of the day. Listen to the summary of that day. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They waited for the promise of the Father. And by the end of the day, 3,000 people had gotten saved. But wait a minute. The filling of the Holy Ghost is not a one-time thing. We need to be filled every day. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse number 31. Acts four thirty-one, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, if if the baptism of Pentecost were a one-time thing, why did they need for this to happen again? Look at verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now listen be filled with the Spirit. The Greek tense for be filled. Is the imperfect tense. Now we don't have that in English, but we know what imperfect means. What does imperfect mean? It means that it's not complete yet. And the imperfect tense means action that is not completed. This verse literally means always be being filled. So let's put together everything we've just seen from the scriptures. The formula for reaching the lost is this wait, then go. Then wait, then go. Then wait, then go. Well, what does wait mean? Does it just mean don't do anything? No. To wait upon the promise of the Father. To go to a quiet place and look to heaven. Say, Lord, in a few minutes, I'm going to go to try to witness to some people. And I'm not very good at it. And to be quite honest with you, I'm scared to do it. And I don't really know how, but you promised that if I would wait for the promise of the father before I go, that you would give me the power of the Holy ghost. Now Lord, I'm going to go, but first I'm going to wait upon you. Fill me, please, with your Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what you're going to get. In the silence that follows, as your heart looks to heaven, you know what you're going to get? On the screen of your mind, it's going to be the TV shows that you've been watching. Because that's what's in your mind. That's what's in your heart. And you're going to be, oh, God, I'm trying to, Wait upon you, but that's what's in there. So that's what you're going to see. You're going to hear the words of the songs that you've been listening to. And by the way, they might even be Christian songs, but they may at that moment be a distraction from waiting for the promise of the Father. And you wait. How long? Okay, let me say. I don't think there's a set time for this. But I believe this. I believe God wants you to go. He does not want you to say, I waited and I didn't get it, so I'm not going out today. Absolutely not. That's just flat-out rebellion against God. Let me say, you know, I've got a a two-hour window here. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. Lord, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then some silence for a little while. Maybe you've got your Bible open before you. You're on your knees. You've got your Bible open to Acts 1.8. Ye shall receive power. God, please. Then another five minutes go by where you're just, Before the Lord waiting, God, please fill me. Give me your power. And suddenly you realize, you know, I've been here for about a half an hour. And my opportunity to go is fleeting. So I need to get out there. Now, wait a second. There's been no experience. The fire, no fire fell. There's no cloven tongue of fire over your head. There was no great rushing mighty wind. The the building didn't shake. Yeah, but he said, wait, then go. So you've waited before him for a little while now, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20, maybe 30 minutes. Now it's time to go. And you go out and you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I say if you have an hour to commit to soul winning, Give 15 minutes of it to waiting before him to fill you. Say, Pastor, I got to tell you, that's a little foreign to me. Yeah, how's your soul winning? Satan's not real intimidated by soul winners who are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I give you an illustration of this, uh, an example of this? Three times in the Gospels, three times in the Gospels, Jesus was healing people, and three different times it says that virtue went out of him. Now, if you've read the Gospels, we all know how Jesus spent his late nights and early mornings. He spent them alone with God, seeking God. But on three different occasions, it says virtue went out of him. Do you know what the Greek word there translated virtue is? It's the word, the Greek word is dunamis. And it's the Greek word, it's the word from which we get our English word. Say it with me. Dynamite. It means power. When you go to Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come. You know what that Greek word is? Dunamis. So when Jesus healed, he was healing in the power of the Holy Ghost. And when he went along with his father at night or in the early hours of the morning, he was getting the filling of the Holy Ghost. Now, we need the filling of the Holy Ghost because of our sinful flesh, because of the influence of the world. Jesus didn't have that sinful flesh, but... What he was showing us was the pattern. Same reason that he got baptized even though he didn't have to get saved. Same reason that he fought off Satan not with the fact that I'm the son of God. Zap! No, he fought off Satan same way you and I are supposed to with the word of God. Everything that Jesus did set a pattern for us. So Jesus is showing this pattern. We go out among the people. And the power of God is used. We go back to God and we get some more. We wait. All I'm urging you tonight to do is to precede your service with waiting before God. Now, waiting is a function of your heart your mind and your heart, but you're, you're directing your heart towards God and saying, God, I need something that only you can give me. You're not waiting for an experience. Hey, would what, what I love for a rushing mighty wind to come sweeping through a prayer meeting? Absolutely. Oh, I long for one time in my life for the place to be shaken where we are assembled. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to go forth until that happens, no. He told me to wait before I go. Now I've gone plenty of times in my life where I didn't wait first, I just went. But praise the Lord by his grace. I have waited. And the difference between the two is immeasurable. You're not waiting for an experience, you're waiting in obedience. It's a time for emptying, it's a time for focusing, it's a time for dependence upon God. When you realize I'm about to engage in the most important work that a Christian can do. And I need to do so in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I would urge you after you've waited upon the Lord for 15 minutes, a half an hour, more. And then it's time to go out there and give the gospel to people who don't know Christ. I would urge you don't jump in a car and turn the radio on. I wouldn't even, if I were you, jump in a car and listen to good music even. Stay focused. God, fill me. God, fill me. What would the result be? Four things. Holy Spirit fullness, number one, it gives you boldness. I am no good at talking to people, especially strangers, at their door. But when I go filled with the Spirit, I have a boldness that I can't even describe. It's like I belong here. I'm, 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 I am at your doorstep because I'm supposed to be here, and you're not going to discourage me. It's nothing I psych myself up for. It's something that only comes through the filling of the Holy Spirit. It only comes when I wait before I go. By the way, it doesn't matter what your personality is. The Spirit of God takes over. It doesn't matter what your skills are, what your talents are. You know, I remember Thomas was sort of a negative dude. But he was filled on the day of Pentecost just like everybody else was. And he went out and spake the word with boldness just like everybody else does. He went, he went out and he spoke in, in, in foreign languages, tongues that God gave him just like everybody else. doesn't have anything to do with your personality. Thomas needed to be emptied of that negativity. You, you probably need to be emptied of different things than I do and I have different things than you do. But we all have our flesh. We all have our pride. We all have the influences of this world and that we need to be drained of those things. So with no phone, hey, don't, don't wait for the promise of the Father with your phone next to you. That text can wait. Well, let me ask you, just, just to help you see the urgency of it. If you were at somebody's door, giving the gospel and you and your phone went rrr, rrr. would you check to see what the text is? I sure hope you wouldn't okay so if this is a part of your soul winning time then you shouldn't text it check it then either you're focused upon God that text can wait that email can email can wait Holy Spirit fullness will give you boldness number two it will give you credibility you can be so filled with the holy spirit that people will know you came from god before you say a word we are we are missing the potential of the power of god it gives you credibility Now, it doesn't mean everybody's going to like you. Sometimes when people know you came from God, it makes them more belligerent than they would have been. But that's okay. You won't care because of your boldness. Holy Spirit fullness will give you boldness. It will give you credibility. Thirdly, it will give you influence. God will open the hearts of people. God's not going to open the hearts of people when it's just you talking. You didn't take the time to wait for him. And so he appreciates your zeal. He appreciates your willingness to go, but you didn't do it obediently. You went in the flesh. God may give you a small measure of influence, but nothing like you will have when you wait upon the Father. Now, you can find all kinds of examples of this, not only in the Bible, but in the biographies of men and women of God. One of the most famous is D.L. Moody. You ought to search for how D.L. Moody was filled with the Holy Spirit. If you search that on Google, you'll find the story that I'm about to tell you. You ought to read it for yourself because it will be more detailed. But D.L. Moody had some two old ladies that would hear him preach and say, Mr. Moody, we're praying for you to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And Moody didn't understand that. And he even objected and said, I I appreciate that, but I mean, I have people saved every night. But every time still that they saw him, they'd say, Mr. Moody, we're praying for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. One day while he was in New York City, he was walking down the street and he was just overwhelmed with the power of God. So much so that he had to run and find a a place to get alone before God because he was just so absolutely overwhelmed with the power of God. He said after that day, and he immediately knew, this is what those ladies have been praying for. Because he said after that day, the same meeting before where he would have had five saved, now he'd have 50 saved. The same meeting before where two or three would come to Christ, now 100 people would come to Christ. He preached the same messages. He had the same skills that he had before. But the Holy Spirit of God gave him great influence. And the fourth thing, by the way, fruit. Holy Spirit, fullness will give you boldness, credibility, influence, fruit. So wait a second now. What you just described in D.L. Moody's life, that was an experience. Okay, here's what I believe with all my heart will happen. You wait on the Lord for... 15 minutes, half an hour, whatever you have before you go. Maybe you just do it early in the morning when you get up, if you have that time. But you wait upon the Lord before you go, and you go in faith, not because you said there, I felt it, I felt it. No, you just go in faith. I waited, now I'm going in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You do that today. You do that tomorrow. You do that the next day. You do that for weeks. One of these days, as you wait upon the Lord before you go, there's going to be a baptism in your life. There's going to be a Pentecost in your life. Now, that's when you're waiting and going. Listen, here, here's the big, and I, I'm, going to, I'm going to be done in just a second. The great failure Of, And it's easy for me to be analytical because I'm not a Pentecostal. But the great failure of Pentecostals, by their own words, I've heard them preach, by their own words is that they wait, they are filled, and then they don't go. And when you don't go, God stops filling you because he didn't fill you. Hey, this is what I'm about to quote comes from a Pentecostal evangelist. You heard me quote him a couple weeks ago, Leonard Ravenhill. He said, you don't see the Christians in the Bible being filled with the Holy Spirit and then jumping around and dancing and shouting and rolling in the aisle. He said, I'm not against any of that, but you don't see them doing that in the Bible. You see them being filled and going. So the failure of the Pentecostal when it comes to the filling of the Holy Spirit is if and when they are filled, they don't go. The failure of the independent Baptists is we go without first being filled. And neither one of them intimidates Satan a whole lot. Here's the great potential of our kind of churches. I mean the kind of churches that go to the summit. The kind of churches that we run and interact with. We have independent Baptists. You compare us to anybody you want to. The the mega church, the pop culture, here's a strength that we have. We have boots on the ground. No other kind of church has boots on the ground, has bus workers going out there, soul winners going out there. No other kind of church has it like we do. I don't mean like Northeast Baptist. I'm talking about like our kind of church. Nobody else does. If we ever did it in the fullness of the Holy Ghost... we could see a harvest that would be historic. I have no influence over the rest of our kind of churches. I have influence right here. And first I'm testifying. And as I said in my prayer before I started preaching, I'm not standing here as the instructor or the expert. I'm standing here as a student, and I'm telling you, As I have waited before the Lord, it has changed what I do when I go out. It has given me boldness, credibility, influence, and fruit like I've never had before. And I'm saying to you folks, I'm begging you, I'm not begging you to seek some experience. I'm certainly not telling you, hey, don't go out again until first you get this this experience. No, I'm telling you to precede your service with waiting. Wait for the promise of the Father. Oh, God, fill me. And after you've waited upon the Lord 15 minutes, 30, whatever time you have, then go. Go in faith. Lord just said, wait, wait, and I waited and I beg now I'm going and you let God use you. And by the time you're done, that fullness will be depleted. You the next day wait upon the Lord, or the next time you go, wait upon the Lord again. If we'd get a hold of this, if we'd let it get a hold of us, it would change our church's influence for God. Well, Reverend, I'm not too sure that your doctrine was precisely correct. Okay, Mr. Stuffshirt Shirt Professor, I'm not too sure that your contentment with the level of power that you have is correct. I'll tell you where our doctrine is off. We're content to be powerless. I'm going to give you a homework assignment before the invitation. If your appetite is wetted, wet, whatever the word is, I want you to go to, if you have an iPhone or iPad, the the podcast icon. I want you to search Hiles Anderson College in the Hiles Anderson College Chapel podcast. You hit the button feed if you're not subscribed to it. And I want you to find this podcast, How Much of God Do You Want? From October 6th. How much of God do you want from October 6th? And listen to a man who was a pastor and a missionary, a man named—I'm—I'm going to butcher his name, but I—I I say, Shemish. I don't—I think that's not the right pronunciation. Wayne Shemish, from Australia. And listen to him preach for about thirty minutes, and see if your heart doesn't burn for the power of God. If you think my doctrine on the baptism and fullness is not exactly right, pray for pastor to get his doctrine right, but more so pray for me to have the power of God and pray for you to have the power of God. Let's stand together tonight.